Hey, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of BCS Community Connections. And today on the podcast, I want to introduce you to Dr. Leah Allen. Uh, Miss Allen is the owner of Wilson Drug in Hearn mm-hmm. and also the owner of Duffy Drug in Franklin, correct? Yes. Both independent pharmacies mm-hmm. uh, that are in those communities, smaller communities from the outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we kind of sat down before we came in talking about BCS Community Connections, and you're like, I know it's not really BCS, but you know, the it's a surrounding area. And so, again, for us, we love just getting small businesses in to be able to talk about what's going on in their particular industry, uh, in their community. So it's going to be cool to be able to talk today about kind of what's going on in those communities that you service. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're talking about kind of the surrounding areas. You know, you're two of four pharmacies in, in Robinson County that's that's serving that community there. Uh-huh. So, and that's a pretty large, stretched out area it is. of rural communities that all kind of encompass Robertson Robertson County. So. Mm-hmm. So what I want to do is before we get started, is kind of introduce you, I guess, to everybody that's listening on the show today okay. uh, to be able to tell them a little bit about yourself. So where were you born? Where did you grow up? What brought you to the area? I was born in Arlington. Okay. Um, that's where my family was from. I say from. My mom was from Bremond. Okay. Um, my grandparents, Bremond. So Grew up in Arlington, but spent a lot of time coming to Bremond. Gotcha. Um, to visit grandparents. Okay. Um, um, and then came to AM, went, spent a year at AM. Yes. Yeah. Um, flunked out. <laughs> Yay, me. Um, well, is it? It's still once an Aggie, always an Aggie. It right? is. Okay, and yeah. I'm so grateful for that. <laughs> um, yes. I did, and and I'm not ashamed to tell that part of my sure. story. Yeah. Um, and I tell that whenever I talk to students, I, I tell them that right. that like that doesn't define you. So yeah. don't you know? It's a blip on the history of my life. Yeah, it's um, a story in the storyline of everything, but it's a small part of the story of where you ended up. It is, but I'm grateful for it. I loved my time at A and M. So I loved College Station. Um, loved my three semesters at A and M, and um, came to this area, did a rotation whenever I was in pharmacy school, Mm -hmm. went to pharmacy school in North Carolina at Campbell University in the itty-bitty town of Bowie's Creek. I think it's grown since I've been there. Um, But that's where I went to school, and then you have to do certain rotations when you're in school. And one of my rotations was a community pharmacy rotation. Mm. Knew I wanted to do an independent um, pharmacy just because I liked the idea of what that um, that experience would give to me. Right. And my grandfather um, knew Kathy and Steve Lazarus mm-hmm. and that owned the pharmacy previous to me okay. at Wilson Drug. Right. And he hooked me up with him to do a rotation. So I did a month with him in the summer of 99, I think. Okay. Um, and loved it. Go graduate, uh, work for Kroger. Had worked for Kroger for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Thought I would work as a Kroger pharmacist forever. Um, never had a thought. And then um, just kind of my parents built a house in Bremont, had spent some time back and forth with them, and thought, I might like to live in the 
Brazos Valley area. Yeah. And so I called Kathy and said, hey, if you know of any jobs in Bryan College Station, let me know. And she said, um, you need to come see us. Her and her pharmacist, her and her husband, Steve, were both pharmacists okay. that owned Wilson Drug. And they were looking to transition out. Mm. And so they said, hey, you know, come talk to me. So I did. Yeah. And she hired me on the spot. And no question, you know, I, I had no idea. How old were you at this time? Uh, this was 97, 37, 37. We can go with that. I'm telling my age. We can go lower if you want to. <laughs> Probably. Yes. Wouldn't that be nice? I was 21 mm, for the was, yes. 16th time. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, they hired me. I, I really thought that there's no way that an independent pharmacy could afford to pay me what I made. Right. Working for a chain, yeah, especially coming out of Kroger, right? Yeah, yeah I, I have no, I have no frame of reference, right, for that. And she was like, "Sure." And so I, okay, yeah. I got myself a job. Um, so I came and worked for them um, from April of uh, two thousand. Did I say ninety seven? Two thousand seven. I don't remember. Two thousand seven, April two thousand seven to uh, January of two thousand eight. Okay, I worked for them at Wilson Drug. Okay. And then January 2008, I bought it. Oh. So they approached you with that opportunity to be able to purchase that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you're running that pharmacy. And mm-hmm. tell me how Duffy comes into the picture. So uh, one of my um, reps through my wholesaler came to me and said, have you thought about buying another one? And I thought, no. How long were you in with Wilson at that point? Like you'd per- you made the purchase. How long were you the owner there before that? Ten years. Materializing 10, so it was 11? a while. Yeah. yeah. It was a, yeah. Yeah. Never. It wasn't like you were trying to snatch up rental properties or anything. No. Like, you know, you'd spent some time there. You'd established yourself, built your name in the business mm-hmm. and then got approached for the other opportunity to be able to, to, Take to, a look at it, at least entertain it. Yeah, okay. and I I really thought, like, that's insane. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, talked to my family. My parents had a business whenever I was growing up, so they're very um, business-minded. Yeah. So certainly sat down with them. Hey, what do y'all think? Yeah, you need to look at that. And so, uh, okay, you know. And it, it was a long process. It took a period of time um, to kind of – figure out to do that and when was the right time to do it. Yeah. Um, but then ended up officially purchasing Duffy drug, uh, October of 2018. Oh, so that's pretty recent. I mean, yes. two years. Yes. Yeah. So that's fairly recent. So yes. the interesting part of that, and I'm trying to kind of put myself in your shoes here. So you're, you know, you're 10 years into the other one, you know, so you're establishing yourself, you have a good, you know, you have a good track record at this point. You're, kind of tossing around this idea what were some of the obstacles in the idea of you know because you did your statement was buying another pharmacy that'd be crazy so what were some of the obstacles that you could see at the forefront was it staffing was yes. it you know where am i going to come up with another pharmacist 100 percent. yeah because it's not like oh i can do both i mean that's not how that's going to work no right? yeah a licensed pharmacist has to be on hand in a pharmacy kind of at all times right right not kind of at all times. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, how am I? I can't do that. Yeah. And also, I don't want to leave Wilson's. I love Wilson's. Right. What is that going to mean? Yeah. Um, and so, 
my sister put something up on Facebook. I was very hesitant to, I had already decided I was going to buy it. Right. So I, I make the decision, okay, I'm going to do it. Um, but how am I going to staff it? So you made the decision and you'll, it was kind of like, I'll buy it. I'll just figure it out. Yeah. After we get I'm going to, I'm going to have to hire somebody Yeah, yeah. and I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do it. And my sister finally was like, I'm putting something out on Facebook. Mm. So she kind of made the decision for me and I'm very thankful that she did because a friend of mine from North Carolina really? that yeah. I had gone to school with called me and said, my husband hates his job. Are you looking for a partner? And I said, no, I'm mm. looking for someone to run one of these stores. And she's basically asking, like, partner, work underneath you. Y'all are splitting duties. Like, she yes. was looking to see if you wanted her to work alongside of you at Wilson. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Yes. Yep. And I said, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing a whole nother store. Right. And so, literally, like, two weeks later, they booked flights and came to Texas. Wow. And spent the weekend... And I showed them everything that is Robertson County, <laughs> rural Robertson County. It was a quick trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, and so I did that, and they were like, we're in. And so they moved their family, um, which is amazing. That's, that's um, I mean, I think that's got at work, yeah. honestly. Oh, yeah. um, they moved their family um, from North Carolina, their home. They were from North Carolina to Texas. And so Chris, uh, peoples works for me. Um, and he now manages runs Wilson's mm. and I'm primarily at Duffy. Um, I, we switch. Yeah. So, um, but then, and his wife, Jody is a pharmacist as well. And so she works from currently she works from home. Mm. Um, and so, um, it was amazing how that worked out, but it just, it was the perfect thing having had that track record with them. And yeah. then they've been, they've been amazing. Well, and you got to be fearful of the idea. Like I, I, it's mine. I'm buying it. It's my money, but I really almost need somebody that, you know, the, the problem becomes in an entrepreneur's mindset, especially when they're expanding is, is I have to be there. I have to be involved because it's not going to run it's not going to run the way I need it to run if I'm not doing it. It's right? control. Yeah, it is. And then it's the idea of, okay, if I got to go out and I got to hire somebody, yeah, I can vet them. You know, I can go out and mm -hmm. look at their record and call their, you know, their history of, of places they've worked and people that, that'll vouch for them and everything else. But I, do I know them? You know, and so mm -hmm. I got to imagine that's a little fearful, especially in this industry. It's one thing for, you know, it's one thing to go hire a cashier. It's a whole other thing for you to go hire a pharmacist, right? And yeah. knowing that what that pharmacy what that pharmacy is doing, what that pharmacist is doing inside of that pharmacy is getting hung on your neck at the end of the day, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's you're not you're not sitting out there going, yeah, it says Duffy on the outside, but when I pay the bills on this thing, it's 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 all Doctor Allen writing the check there at the right. at the tail end of all this, so. Yeah. Yeah, ironic all of a sudden that you end up with somebody that you know, mm -hmm. that you trust, mm -hmm. and that it all just happens to work in timing uh -huh. around the time frame that you decide to make yes. a purchase. So, yes. yeah, you, you're just, uh, I wouldn't call that luck. No, I would it's not luck. I would definitely extend past that. So, mm -hmm. so you're in these communities, and, you know, I love, in my time with Walmart as a store manager, 
I spent 20 years, but I spent of that 20 years, eight of them were spent in small communities. Mm-hmm. Best time I ever had running a store. Mm-hmm. Uh, really more so from the idea of the relations that I got to build with people, really getting to know my customers. I tell people all the time, I was more popular than the mayor. Like, you know, when you're in those, when you're in those businesses that people almost have to go to in a small place like that, it wasn't like there was targets and Kroger's and all these other kind of places, big box retailers that were around mm-hmm. uh, when I was running like Madisonville Childress was another one that, that I ran. Uh, I knew everybody. Right. And then they got to know me. And then you're also involved in the community and everything else, because you understand that that business is a big part of the community and you need that business to integrate in the community as being a community servant, you know, a community leader, you know, and giving back where you can do that. Right. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so you're no, you now, you know, with Wilson at this point, you already know the importance of that because you've got 10 years invested in the purchase of that and it being yours. You also understand, and probably I would imagine felt a little bit of responsibility of like, I'm taking over the legacy of somebody else who had this. Yes. So yes, I can make it my own, but it's off the back and off the foundation of where this started in the beginning that I don't want to, I don't want to not regard this. So as you're taking that in and it's now becoming Leah's, you know, operation and you're surrounding yourself with the people that you want to be working with, mm-hmm. uh, coming from a Kroger and in the Kroger world, when you were working there, mm-hmm. were you responsible for hiring and staffing or was that done for you and you just trained up? I may have hired a few. Um, Man, it's been a minute since I've thought about it. Um, I may have hired a few. Some of the stores, um, certainly whenever I was just a staff, uh, a staff pharmacist, but but assigned to a store, no. And then I moved up to a manager, um, a pharmacy manager, and moved around to a couple of different stores. Um, Probably. If I think back, staffing was probably there. Yeah. So um, I, th- I think over time, I probably did hire a few, but I don't. I don't remember hiring um, that many. Just trying to kind of get a gauge of what you walked away from Kroger with, as far as that hiring knowledge and that ability to kind of see the folks that you wanted to represent you in. Now, what is your business? Well, you certainly learn over time. Who, the people that you would gravitate towards that you want to work with right. and then those that you don't. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's any business. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you know that, that you just, you just pick up on that. Like yeah. who's going to, who's going to really work hard for me yeah. with me. Well, and they're um, an extension of you. I think that's the one big thing. A lot yeah. of entrepreneurs miss right. in this deal is, is they're an extension of, what you want to represent in that community, right? Right. It's, yes. So, let, you know, yeah, you always have to be there, or there always has has to be a licensed pharmacist on staff. But let's say it's the little girl that's managing the cash register that day, and you know, so she's out there, and it's it's you know that first initial just pop interaction because the first interaction typically is not with the pharmacist. Right. First interaction is typically with either a cashier that's out running on the front, uh-huh. maybe a technician if they're pulling double duties and running between, mm-hmm. but it's typically not the pharmacist. Pharmacists usually doing their full-time running in the back and, and answering phones and answering questions and all of mm-hmm. that stuff. Right. So 
picky becomes a really good word when you're an entrepreneur and you're running your own business here. Yes. It's, it's like, I want to be selective and pick. I don't necessarily, I don't find today, even 30 years later of running business operations, I don't find today that I need to hire people who are like me. I need to right. hire people that when I interacted with them, that I felt I felt like this is somebody who could give an experience that I would try to give to a customer, right? Absolutely. Like, are they personable? Yes. You know, what's the first few things out of their mouth? Mm -hmm. You know, like as soon as, as soon as you open, am I engaged with the conversation that we're having or do I feel, yeah, I tell people all the time, like when I sit down and hire folks, they're going to, they're at their best at that moment. Right. If you're, I mean, if you're a, if you are a hiring manager or if you're a small business, you, you should probably listen to this very closely. They're going to tell you what you want it, that what they think you want to hear to get the job. Yes. Right. So they're at their absolute best when they're sitting there. And then you'll find out who you've got in the next 90 days after you offer them, them that job. Mm. I mean, they just can't. A 90-day mark was always a window that I put in place because I found people couldn't fake it for 90 days. Right. They can fake it at the table. And a lot of them can do a really good job of it. Yeah. And they can also present you a list of history that is selective. Like, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you that in between this job and this job here, I quit this job. Yeah. But I just didn't put that on there. And you don't have time to go through and vet all of that and see those pieces. And that job could have been as small as two weeks. You're talking about. I was going to come back and, and come back around to your A and M flunk out. Um, I'll do one even better for you. So I started school, and I tell people I took three hours of college, and people are like, "Wow, you took just three hours?" I go, "No, I took literally three hours. <laughs> First day, showed up, got my books, went to class, sitting in my second class, and I went, "This is not for me." And I turned around, went back, got my money back on my books, got my money back on my deal, and literally spent three hours in college and left. And it was scary. And look where you are. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, it's not, it is, it's still a great story. Yeah. You know, I, I tell it all the time here. We are well past the time of college. But, yeah. you know, I, I tell people all the time, like, just because these things didn't work in a certain mm-hmm. way doesn't necessarily define who you are or where you're going to end up going. Exactly. But in our world, how many times did you ever hear if you didn't go to college that you, know, you flip burgers, you can do all these other things? Interesting world in in pharmacy, and I've seen. We were talking. We talked quite a bit before we came on air, mm-hmm. you know, because I have a little bit more unique insight into the pharmacy world because that was a part of my world. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, uh, you get to see the development of people in the pharmacy world. Mm. So if you're a pharmacist and you have a tech. They're really, there's something that happens between a really good tech and a really good pharmacist where that pharmacist tends to be like the Yoda. Like, you know, there's this nudge. Have you ever considered going and getting your pharmacy license and doing this? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's in, and it is, it's a craft almost, you know, but you, you got somebody there that kind of goes, you'd be really good at this. Mm-hmm. You know, you're detail oriented. Mm-hmm. You're great with customers. You have the ability to make good, quick decisions, you know, but you also have the forethought to see things out that haven't really occurred yet, but you know might happen. Mm-hmm. So, because when you started, didn't you tell me you started as a tech somewhere? Oh, yeah. I started as Eckerd. 
Yeah. Eckerd. Ooh, I remember Eckerd. Yeah. Well, I started at I, Eckerd. I told you, I, we're pretty close in age, so I, you, ain't, you ain't talking too old for me there. When I was in high school, I got a job at Eckerd that I never remember applying for, but I did, apparently. <laughs> and yeah, so when I was a senior in high school, I worked for Eckerd, yeah. and that led me into Kroger, right. and then worked for Kroger as That's a technician a for a very long time, yeah. went to pharmacy school. So, so was it the relationship there in that? 100%. Yeah. My um, Shauna and Cherie, I don't know if they would ever see this, but <laughs> Shauna and Cherie Wood twins yeah. that I worked for that were pharmacists. And I just thought they, there was something very special about them. Yeah. And we had such a great relationship and I, I wanted to be like them. Yeah. And then, but then working with so many different pharmacists over my tech career that did such a good job in so many different ways that, that I just, I'm so thankful for them and how I feel like that they groomed me, if yeah. you will. Oh, that's a good answer. That's to, a good reply. To do what I'm doing. I'm so, like, I want them to be proud of me and where I'm at now. And then I have one that it just left to go to school for a semester elsewhere. And then she has her choice of three different pharmacy schools, one of those being A&M. Cool. Um, that I'm very proud for her yeah. because she's going to be a fantastic pharmacist. Well, and it's also, again, just like I was saying, where you are piggybacking when you got Wilson Drug and you're piggybacking off the foundation of that. Yes. Really kind of is that same deal. You're building up the confidence of someone. You're then encouraging them. And then when you go and do and come back into the market as now a, a licensed, trained pharmacist, you've now got the doctor in front of you and everything else, you almost feel a bigger responsibility mm -hmm. to represent the people that pushed you in. Mm -hmm to be able to represent them well. Like you're almost just like an extension of the lineage. It's, you know, I, so I have one of the things you may not know. I have a, a lengthy background in martial arts. So I've been in martial arts since I was eight. So 40 years that I've spent in martial arts, I have the same instructor that I had when I was eight years old really? today. Um, and I can't tell you how impactful that person is, mm -hmm. but the, the, if you're, you know, again, we're in the same age group, karate kid, you got the Miyagi and you got Daniel son over here and everything else. And, and, but it is a lineage that's kind of passed on, but mm -hmm. all, everything that's done here from Daniel son is always to represent what was originally here. Yes. So indirectly, I mean, you're not out there every day going, you know, Hey, shout out to Shree and you know, yeah. the woods twins, you know, I mean, so, but you do know deep down that, this probably doesn't come to be if they don't take an interest in me, in me. if they yes. don't, if they don't invest themselves to build a confidence in me to go, maybe I can do this. Yes. Yeah. And now all of a sudden here you are buying pharmacies and, right. you know, running your own businesses and all those other things that you probably never, even in that moment, you probably thought of the idea of going, okay, I go to pharmacy school and get my degree, get my certifications and I'll go back to work in a big box retailer. Yeah. I'm going to go to work for Kroger yep. and I'm going to work for Kroger, which I love. Yeah. I still have great relationship with people there. Yep. I love that. Yep. Um, I, I'm very, I'm proud of my, I'm a Kroger girl. Yeah. You know, I'm proud of that. Um, but, but yeah, but that I, but then I also got to do my thing. So yeah. pharmacists, pharmacists are interesting characters, right? So I, I, I was telling you before we came on air, I'm friends with, I probably know at least 15 pharmacists and, but there's a different range in that, those pharmacists that are there from the ones that are, they're 100% committed to the organization that they mm -hmm. work for mm -hmm. to the ones that are out there going, 
yeah, this one's okay, but if something else came along, I'd probably hop. Yeah. You know, to knowing that in the industry, this is not an industry where pharmacists just fall off trees. Right. You know, so there are a lot of traveling pharmacists fill in. I don't know what, what do you call them in the industry? I always, call them, I always call them traveling pharmacists just because yeah. they'd be here one day and, you know, somewhere else the next day or whatever, but they could, they could run between multiple pharmacies mm-hmm. and you have a different character of person in that because then it's kind of like, I'm not really tied anywhere. I can I bounce never, and do these. I could not do that Yeah, because I'm, um, anal enough i don't know <laughs> yeah. like i want my stuff in a certain way yeah. i want my certain pen i want my yeah and so that's th- there's depending on who you're filling in for you may yeah, walk well, you, did you walk in and it's a giant mess yeah. that i could i don't know if i would work very well in that environment right so it's just not for me yeah but there are ones that they love that there's no responsibility yeah they can walk in the door they can do what they're doing for the day and yep. then they walk out yeah and not, getting, not that there's no responsibility. I don't want, I that certainly don't want that message to yeah, be like, we're not no, responsible, no, yeah, no. but well, so my pharmacist in Childress, uh, did not live in Childress. He lived in Altus, Oklahoma, which is 60 miles away, mm-hmm. drove into work every single day, got mm-hmm. paid to drive in, got paid to drive home, mm-hmm. got paid to stay overnight when it snowed and you couldn't get back home, got his meals paid for the whole nine yards. This was in, this was in 90, Seven ninety eight. Mm-hmm. This was this was back in a ways, you mm-hmm. know. So, um, but also I realized as well too, you know. So I am the business professional being responsible for the entire store, including that pharmacy that's up underneath me. Mm-hmm. But in all honesty, that was really kind of just by title Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. once we get to the pharmacy door and we move past the pharmacy door the stuff that's back behind there is the responsibility of the pharmacist Mm -hmm. you know but yeah you know we were talking again before we came on air like you know somebody would walk in and go okay i want to talk to the store manager yeah i could go over there and have a conversation with them but i couldn't really override my pharmacist when it came to changing drugs giving a different prescription you know doing any of that kind of stuff i mean legally that that couldn't happen you know, right. so they're the be all to end all at the tail end of all of that when it comes to what happens within those, I'll call them three walls since the front's usually open. Right. Uh, but whatever happens within there is that pharmacist's responsibility that they hang their license on the wall yes. to protect, right? Yeah. So huge responsibility in what it is that you guys do. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, we were, we were laughing about when we were talking about you're a doctor. You know, most people kind of look at that and like, ah, pharmacist man not a doctor no you're a doctor you went through the training you did everything else you know that title can hang on to the front of that and everything it's just a different type of doctor than what people tend to to wrap their mind around right but you spent the the years the certifications everything that you had to go and get mm-hmm. all to be this professional individual in this industry that carries that title mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so and you have an obligation that literally every single time you touch something within the pharmacy could be something that could be detrimental and have devastating impacts on the customer that's on the other side of that wall. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're now, you're now purchased number two. Yes. You get this godsend that, that allows you to staff it up and yes. put the person in there that you can now trust. So now you don't have to be anal enough to go. I'm going to have to be in both locations every day to ensure everything's running right. Not yes. meaning that your hands off in the other one, right. just meaning that 
I can probably rest my head a little bit easier knowing that it's somebody that I know mm-hmm. as opposed to it being Joe Blow that I you know, hired on from yeah. Walgreens or whatever. So, yeah. um, so background of, of you coming here, I didn't ask why A&M? Why A&M? Yeah. I mean, you said you flunked out, but was that my tradition gr- in your family? Yeah, my mm-hmm. grandfather had three degrees from A&M. Oh, At yeah. one point in time, my grandfather had the most hours in this of anybody that graduated from A&M. Wow. So, so, yeah, it's yeah. so a long-standing yeah. family. My mom went to A&M before they allowed women in. Yeah. They could go in the summers. And so my mom did some of that. My uncle graduated. You know, whenever I applied, you did the whole legacy thing, I guess, where you wrote the piece of paper of like everybody that you're related to that went right when with your application, yeah. which I, I'm sure they don't even do that anymore. Um, <laughs> now it's all digital. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, I had, you know, laundry list of family members. So my grandfather was from the Brazos Valley. He, he was from the Harvey community, oh, yeah. which is like his family property was where central Baptist church is. Yep. So like this was his backyard. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's different story, longer story, but yeah. So family history here. Yeah. And, and yeah, and then ta- Bremond. Yeah. I talked to your sister on an earlier podcast and she kind of talked about how everybody kind of just gravitated back this way. Yes. Right. And yes. that we, we laugh about that all the time talking about how Aggies, they, they get a degree, they leave, they go do something, but they almost always tend to come back. Yeah. And so, you know, community area, everything else, you're familiar with it, even though you may not have finished school off of there, you're still familiar with it. Your family's here. So you, and you're a tight knit group as a family. Yeah. So that also helps as well too, especially if you're running a business because your family, correct me if I'm wrong, your family were entrepreneurs as well too, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. My parents had a fireplace business whenever I was little called the cozy hearth mm-hmm. in Arlington, Texas. Okay. And, um, so yeah, that was, that it's second nature to them. And I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. My sister and I, and now my brothers too, doing what they're doing. Talk about that. Like we, we had such great role models to be like, go for it. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and there's that, a spirit, there's a spirit in an entrepreneur yeah. that is contagious. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, knowing what you know today yeah, and you had to make another decision would you go back into corporate, you know, big box? I probably would for a period mm-hmm. just because of the foundation that I feel like it gave me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that that foundation, I don't know if I jumped straight from I graduated to independent. Um, I could do it. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I do love that the foundation that I was given by having that outside experience, yeah, that's always beneficial. Glad you, uh, man. I, I walk you down a path and you just follow right down it, which is awesome for me. Because now the next question then becomes: What you brought out of Kroger? What did you feel that you walked away with that you were able then to bring into small business that allowed you? To I don't want to say modify because I'm definitely not here to try and 
put it out there that somehow you changed the Wilson drug or whatever. But things that you walked into, because we were talking about the transition from corporate America into small business, and that it's almost harder to do it that way than it is to go small business mm. into corporate. Mm-hmm. But what is it that you saw that you brought in from the corporate world that helped you in the small business? I don't know specifically. There's some technical things, I think, like the way that we handled controlled substances mm-hmm. or or that we documented mm-hmm. that um, the previous owners of Wilson's came from the hospital world. Mm-hmm. So their, uh, their perspective was different even from how mine was. Sure. So um, maybe just some technical. I don't know that there was anything really earth-shattering. Um, sorry. But I, but I think that it just gave me... Um, good sense and how you how you how you do things and and i don't i don't want to put out the message that you could never walk into a small business and not have had that and still like or not do it yeah yeah i I would never (laughs) no there's a lot of stuff like you know when i came from corporate america into small uh small business here the structure uh, policies, things yes. along those lines that, uh, and what tends to happen in small businesses is it's like, listen, man, we're all family here, yeah. you know, and you kind of get, and you want that. There, there's definitely, there's not a, there's not this desire to push that away, but there's this desire to work within a structure that everybody can facilitate so that everybody's talking on the same page, the business is operating where in in a vein that you want it operating in, right? That is best for your business, best for your people, best for your customer, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes the structure and the 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 policies and even procedures in a lot of cases may may have to be modified or changed to uh, like i was telling you it we changed it here because it needed to accommodate our growth right if we had grown without having those things in place it really would have made the growth challenging probably harder to get it to stick and definitely would have created a much more chaotic environment right trying to do more without having that structure in place to to push more into because mm-hmm. your goal i mean you didn't buy these pharmacies to to continue doing the same amount of business your goal is still a year over year increase it's still a it's still a business you know you're not hanging across on the outside of it and calling it a non-profit right you know you're you're turning around going listen man i bought these things because this is my future yeah this is my family's future this this will be a legacy that i am building that can be passed along as well too yeah and for your future you know so i but futures look different in the world over here when they're looking to sell it to you they're ready to move on into their retirement Mm -hmm. i tell people all the time i I think there was a time in my life that i wanted to be able to do that but now i kind of look at it like i don't know if i'd be good if i retired yeah you know like i don't know that i could keep myself busy enough and i really need the social interaction to keep myself sharp yes and to to continue to challenge myself. Yes. All right. So for some people, they, you know, this is where you see the, you know, in a Walmart, it was, the, I told people I might one day turn around and be a 95 year old people greeter. And there's no telling, you know, just yeah. so long as I can do something that interacts with my customers, with my clients, mm-hmm. with my community. Right. So, and in the small world for you, small businesses in a community are even more critical because they're the staple of, 
they're the staple of a lot of things mm-hmm. that is passed down, right? Like mm-hmm. how old is Wilson Drug? Wilson Drug, oh man, 1954, mm-hmm. um, Leon Wilson purchased it. There's been probably a pharmacy that I think it goes, there was a, a Maris Carson, there was some other things. I mean, we're back in the 1800s. Duffy's is like an 1886, 1896 um, that is crazy. Kind of continuation. So, yeah. I mean, so this I'm and, just I'm in my head, man. I'm envisioning like people hooking up horses to the outside of Duffy yeah. and walking in, yeah. you know, going, "Hey, I'm here to get my liquid morphine in my little cough medicine bottle." And you know, that kind so of stuff. there's well, there's probably some <laughs> still there somewhere, um, buried underneath. Right there's there's this giant safe at Wilson's that is not particularly useful, but I mean, massive. Like, sh- cut your fingers off if you put your fingers in it. Yeah. Like, say that uh, we were shutting it the other day at work, and um, we were like, what? They remodeled at one point, and they, like, took it down the street. And we were like, how did they get it out of here? Yeah. Like, we have no idea how <laughs> they got it out. It's it's massive. Yeah. But it's just, I mean, that's fascinating. It's a remodel. We're going to take the front wall out and then put it in and, you know, wall it all back right. up again. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the history also even supersedes even the owners that you purchased it from. Yes. And so there, you, do you feel the obligation to make sure, I mean, I, it's a stupid question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you feel the obligation that that history also carries weight and value in what you're being a steward of? Yes. Right? Like somebody's going to tell you, my great grandpa used to come here. Right or whatever, I or mean. my or my grandfather was the one that owned it. Yeah, yeah. you know, it, I mean, it's called Wilson's. Yep. I'm not a Wilson. That's yeah. not my name. Yeah, I, Duffy. I'm not a Duffy. Yeah. I I could have changed it. Mm-hmm. I have friends that have independence and chose to do that. Mm. I'm I'm proud for you to do that. Yeah, my, I chose to leave it because I I. I love history. I felt like that was important yeah. to keep that and to to let that legacy stay the way that it is. There's some really beautiful neon signs at mm. Wilson Drug mm-hmm. that say Wilson Drug all over them, and you know, I like I love that. I'm I am proud to be a part of that. You're the second person that I've had sit in the chair that that purchased a business that chose not to change the name of the business. Mm-hmm. I find that very interesting because it tells me a couple of things about you. It tells me that your ego is not as big as your desire to see the business be successful. A lot of times it's, listen, this is my business, man. I want to say Lyle pharmacy on the outside of the deal or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then also the thoughtfulness of carrying that forward in regards of, I don't even know maybe who the Wilson was, but I'm going to make sure it stays Wilson for as long as I have it. And you know, if I sell it off and who the next person chooses to be, so be it. But again, how many generations do you have that maybe even use you as a as a uh, a marker, right? Oh, you go left at Wilson's up there. You yeah, know, you yeah. go go down to Dovey's and take a right. Well, you know, and that I that kind of deal. I get stuff in the mail sometimes that says Leah Wilson. I'm like, that's not my name. Yeah, but, you know, okay. You're like, so yeah, because yeah, the assumption is going to be is it's your pharmacy, mm-hmm. so oh, yeah. our Doesn't last name all. must naturally be Wilson. So yeah. love it. I just think that's cool. Uh, let's talk about okay. So we'll get off onto COVID. We we mm-hmm. you know initially when uh, when the podcast spot was open and you you signed up for it. 
this was kind of your thing where you were saying, look, I can talk about COVID and kind of update people and give updates onto that. But again, my goal here is not to create a COVID podcast. It's right. to, to highlight your business. But COVID is one of those things that if you've got a pharmacist sitting in the chair, there's probably a lot of questions about it and a lot of things going on. So let's talk about, and, and we're not here to talk about how it's all being distributed and all that kind of stuff, because that's really way above probably either of our two pay grades, but it is something that you feel strongly about because you there's, there's things that are happening around you that you feel like I can be a part of this and be able to assist and everything else. But so everybody knows that obviously we have a vaccine on the horizon. We have multiple vaccines really, but you uh-huh. know, right now tentatively in the United States, the majority of the pharmacies and that are administering hospitals, hubs, wherever these are going through, the majority of them are going to be Moderna uh, or Pfizer, right? Mm-hmm. And so some of these other ones that are being distributed are more you know, worldwide there's being distributed n- in other Yeah, potentially other countries right. may have some others. But yeah, there's nothing else that's been had that EUA emergency use approval yet right, right. in the United States. Yeah, so, so these guys come to the market and there's a lot of people i mean we listen we live in in maybe not the most conservative state anymore but we used to be one of the most conservative states but in this world right now i think there is probably a more leaning thought process that if we're ever going to get back to normal that this vaccine is going to have to get implemented and it's going to have to get rolled out. And man, just like COVID, I mean, 10 years down the road, when we look back at this, you can armchair quarterback how it was handled. You'll be able to armchair quarterback how the vaccine went out, right? And so the knock right now, obviously, is 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 there was an initial... There was initial information that was basically being placed out that there would be a lot more doses and a lot more vaccines in the market to start getting into people so that they could start the process of pushing this through the country. And so initially who was tapped to do this was going to be the hospitals, uh, frontline you know, doctors, things like that. Maybe they had private practices, but then also in that deal became the pharmacists. And so I say pharmacies, uh, but the pharmacists were going to end up essentially being uh, tapped in certain areas, Uh not everywhere. And that's kind of what we're going to get to the discussion on where that they could then turn around and help assist with getting this to people. And so I was telling you that, you know, I'd rolled up through the HEB pharmacy on day one when they started distributing uh, the first rounds of, of the vaccine. And that it was chaos. Not ca- and this isn't knocking Shane over there at, at, at HEB. It was chaos because of all of the behind-the-scenes stuff that people don't know. The amount of paperwork that has to be filled out and how these things all have to be registered in order to be able to administer. And you've literally got to be able to keep track of these folks so that they can come back and get the second dose. So, you know, I felt terrible for him because it wasn't like the plan was in place to go mm-hmm. let us get you more help while you're doing this mm-hmm. and day one of anything that you roll out is probably is going to be trial by fire i mean just typically how it tends to work mm-hmm. so here in the brian college station area you know and i don't want to man i'm gonna throw numbers out and they probably won't be accurate but 
the information initially that I think was passed along was that there was something like 7,900 vaccines that got put into rotation, we'll call it. Uh, but almost half of that were administered. Now, that has since, I think, come to light. And I think that, and again, I should probably say that by the time people are listening to this, we'll be a much further down the road. Right. Because we're having this discussion today is the 21st of January that we're recording this. But this probably won't release until April. So we may be talking definitely something right now that, you know, somebody listens to this two months down the road and goes, man, what, what is he talking about? Man, that ain't even going on no more, you know. But I hope so. Yeah. I mean, history, you know, maybe it's a documentation of history of what we're doing here, but it's the idea of how do we tap it and how do we get as many of these out as quickly as possible? Mm -hmm. That all being said in hubs where you have a, a city, Bryan college station, Houston, Huntsville, bigger locations. You know, there are, there are, whether it's health departments, whether it's, you know, hospitals, uh, small clinics, pharmacies, there are people that are being tapped in those communities to work towards getting these out to people. Mm -hmm. But then we were talking before we came on air about your community. So here you are out in Robertson County. Mm -hmm. You're two of four pharmacies that are out in Robertson County. Mm -hmm. And how many vaccines have you got? Zero. And how many have you administered? Yeah. So how many would I like to have administered by now? Hundreds. So, and again, this is something that people, this isn't in the news. Nobody's listening to this and nobody's, you know, listen, if I'm in Bryan college station in Robertson County, didn't get it. Eh, so what? I mean, it's it's no skin off my back. I'm not going to Robertson County to get my, my deal. But the expectation that you're seeing right now is that they have to come here or at least go somewhere else to go get it administered because you're not being tapped for it. I, I don't want to let the uh, misconception go that there's no vaccine in Robertson County right. because that is not true. So um, Brookshire Brothers is mm. in Robertson County and they received an initial allotment of 200 doses. Okay. Um, and then I'm not sure of the, I know of a couple of different clinics mm-hmm. that have had them. I don't know the numbers of doses that they have received, mm. but for my pharmacy, we have been begging anybody that we can get to listen to us right. to get it to us so that we can take care of our people. Yeah. My concern, which we talked about previously, is that my elderly Robertson County people, because right as of now, mm-hmm. we are in 1A and 1B, right. which is you know frontline front, front line providers. Yep. Um, I have received one dose of vaccine because I'm a frontline provider. Right. I, I received my second dose on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um frontline providers, and then those age 65 and up with certain health conditions Mm -hmm. um, or 16 and up with certain, or 65 and up, I guess, is no health conditions. Yeah, that Uh, changed. Sorry, yes. And then 16 and up with certain health conditions. Is it 16 or is it 18? I heard it was 18. I may be I may be wrong. I think it's eight. So this is the crazy part. So this is what I was told for what this is worth. Listen, I'm not a doctor. I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express one time. Uh, So... 65 and up, because initially the, the 1B was 65 and up with certain medical conditions. That's right. And now it's and, 65 and up. And now it's just 65 and up. Doesn't matter. No no medical conditions, no anything. 18 and above, if you are classified with severe medical conditions, including obesity, mm-hmm. which, 
listen, <laughs> that could be 65% of the population. That's right. You know, I mean, you know, the way that numbers are classified for weight now, you know, I, I mean, listen, I, I like to consider myself kind of, you know, I'm, I'm overweight. I don't consider myself obese. But if I look at a chart, I probably am. Right. You know, yeah. so you're talking about 1B potentially being a huge a plug. I well, mean, it, it, you're, you're talking like imagine a funnel and you, you know, you could have started, you know, you could have kind of started small up here and kind of work this funnel out. But you went from here at frontline worker to boom, you know, and opening that sucker up. And you still have the same amount of opening at the bottom that you're trying to funnel all these people into. Not saying that they don't deserve to be in that list, but, I mean, my goodness, I mean, you, you're talking about a lot of interpretation there in that 1B category for that 18 and above. Well, the fear, though, too, is that they move on to the next category, right. and then you have this giant backlog yeah. From the first, I, I know of some some one A people that's that just, haven't received theirs, yeah. and so that's for that's me scary. personally that is a that is a concern. Yeah, well, that's scary. I mean, yeah. if you're if you're in the one A, then the priority should be to get all those done before any one Bs get anywhere close to it. Exactly. Right? Um, but unfortunately, unfortunately, if you're if you're utilizing all these different avenues of administering this COVID drug vaccine. If you're if you're administering this through multiple levels, then it's up for interpretation. If I own my own clinic as a doctor and I get in a hundred, right? Well, I'm not calling back and going, "Hey, you know, health department, who all do you have that you want to send over to me to get?" I'm taking care of my patients, right? Just like what you said before we got started here. I want to take care of my customers. But your customers, a lot of them fall into that 1B category. It's not just my customers. I want to take care of my community. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't, I'm not going to be like, oh, well, you're not my customer, so I can't give it to you. Right. If, if I, I mean, I just want it so that I can just start giving it. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, the, that's the rub for me personally yeah. is get us the vaccine. Yeah. You know, I, I have no idea of the paperwork headache nightmare that is awaiting me. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. but... I'm fully willing, capable, able, gonna make it happen. Sure. However that, however that, whatever that is. Right. So that my people get protected, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Some people disagree with that, and you're fully welcome to your thoughts on that, yeah, 100%. Right. Um, so that we can get on the road to herd immunity, right. which then hopefully leads us down the road where COVID is a thing of the past. Right. That's what that's what all of us want. Well, and it's the it whether you like it or not, it's going to be the key for businesses getting fully open and yeah. things returning to normal. And I, you, if you're listening to this, I'm doing air quotes right here. So, so because normal is going to look different no matter what it yes. is that we do, it won't ever go back to where it was before. Right. Uh, but in these communities, in these outlying rural areas. Uh, the the potential to tap those resources, like you're sitting out there with two pharmacies with people who administer doses of flu vaccines and diabetic medications and things like this, you guys are, 
is it immunologist? I mean, is, is that a well? Good, no, we're not I immunologists, mean, I'm like, I'm but to, what, what, immunizers. Immunizers. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm trying to put okay. you. In, I'm trying to classify you into different categories. But this is something that you're familiar with. Yes. It's not like, and it's a little odd in some cases because some people may go, "Why are you using pharmacists to administer and do this?" But the reality of that is they do it already. They just do it with flu vaccines and some other injectables that are out there that maybe they're helping a customer who's taking something for the first time and they don't know how they're going to do this. Or, you know, it's a it's a training process for that pharmacist to teach. a Let's say it's the first time I'm, I'm now injectable insulin. You know, and I'm not real confident on being able to do that. A pharmacist will step in there and fill that gap to be able to teach and train if they need to. But it's also not, uh, it's not being backed up and propped up with more resources. It's one more thing they're going to do that's time consuming. So Mm -hmm. for those that don't know, you're going to get the first vaccine and there's outside all the paperwork and everything else that has to be filled out. And from everything I've been told about the paperwork, it is a nightmare and it obviously is, is log jamming a lot of that. That's not anybody's fault other than the steps that were put into place to administer this stuff. I don't want to point fingers back to the government or anything like that, but if that's their need and what they feel they've got to do in order to trace and track and everything else, then so be it. But it is also the idea that you're going to now put more stress on these areas, whether that's clinics, whether that's pharmacies or whatever they're, you know, they're not loading in a bunch of, of temporary staff and things like that in order to be able to handle it. So now there's this ripple effect that happens through a community when we get to it. I don't think we've reached it yet. I think that the first initial wave, which was a very small wave, almost like a ripple in the water Mm -hmm. uh, showed itself as being something that could down the road really impact operations in pharmacies operations in a clinic you know where now all of a sudden you got to come up with the resource which in most cases is you know if this is happening in your pharmacy who's going to give that that injection you me you gonna give it to anybody else to do responsible no not well another so texas has allowed um i believe uh, technicians to become immunization certified. Okay. So um, I do not currently have any that are immunizers. Right. Um, so yes. So, so if you came to get a vaccination of whatever sort right. from one of my pharmacies, it would be a pharmacist that gave it to yeah. you. So, so walk me down this road. You don't have any in yet, but let's just, let's say magically you get 500 doses tomorrow. Mm-hmm. What's your operation look like, including that into the operation? So my operation, um, man, so my operation would be, um, we're going to go today. I got it in today. I'm going to call. I'm going to make appointments, if you will, for everybody that is on my list. We've been making lists of names. Um, I know places that have cut that off. We've chosen not to do that because we just wanted to have as many names of people that wanted it. I just want to... I just want to take every opportunity to get people covered right. if I can. Sure. If they've gotten it somewhere else and if they have the opportunity to do so, they need to do that. Right. Um, but if they've gotten it somewhere else, whenever I get around to calling them, great. Right. Um, but I'm going to probably, my stores are closed on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to spend Saturday and Sunday mm-hmm. immunizing as many people as I can. Okay. And then I figure out the paperwork either 
you know, I stop immunizing at six o'clock at night and I spend from six to midnight or whatever it is doing paperwork. But it's a however safe, it has to happen, it happens. It's a safe bet that you're out of the operation. What do you the mean? The day to day operation of filling drugs and doing oh, all yeah, that. Oh, yeah. I stuff. don't. I mean, listen, there, Shane at HEB yeah. and, and all of those, yeah. um, you know, at my local other competitors. Mm-hmm. And and me at Kroger and me at Wilson's like you you just work it in yeah. to your regular schedule. Right. So if you walked in to get your prescription refilled and you walked in to get a shot, whoever gets there first, I'm gonna take care of them right. and then I'm gonna take care of you. But your needs likely yeah. as a getting an immunization are going to take much more time mm-hmm. than me doing a refill or a new one or whatever. Right. You may book out, you may sit there and say, Okay, I'm gonna at best probably I'm gonna to block 30 minutes you know per injection i'm doing because you know for those again that aren't aware of it when you get the injection they're required as a part of this immunization you're required for an observation period of 15 minutes uh-huh. so you're not allowed to let them go and go about their daily deals or whatever you have they have to be observed in that setting That's, but they could sit in the they could sit outside right and, right you know so, so you could you could essentially in 30 minutes you could get paperwork done, do an injection, 15-minute wait period, and really that's your free time. In that 15-minute wait period here, okay, let me go help and... Prepping for the next one. Right. Either that or I'm going to bounce back here real quick. They're a little behind in the pharmacy. I'm going to fill some more things, help them real quick, get some time. Okay, now here's my second appointment, Mm -hmm. and boom. And so literally it's, and especially in the beginning, talking about right now where there's such, you know, supply and demand are, are so far off from each other, it's not even close. There will eventually come a day where supply will meet demand and then things will you know, naturally just work themselves out. That's probably, quite honestly, months down the road before oh, yeah, we even imagine. get any close to that. But as you're seeing supply and demand so far apart, and even if they include you in as a part of that deal, it changes your operational look. It'll change your operational look at Wilson. It'll change your operational look at Duffy. You know, Your pharmacist that's, that you trust over at Duffy's got to do the same thing that you're doing over here. Because again, you can't be in both locations doing all of this stuff and you're right you're probably changing your operations opening on days you're normally not open you know for weeks possibly at a time to get through this because even at best if if the paperwork is as complex as it's been described and for the amount of time that it takes for one customer to get paperwork filled out injection done and then you can just kind of let them sit and watch over here and you may be able to start another one at best you can start another one when this one is in their observation period. Uh, I mean, a 12-hour day, what are you going to knock down? 20 people? You know, so... But, I mean, there's lots of them that are doing 200. Yeah. I mean, there are people that are giving out 200 doses in a day. And, listen, I would I would do everything I could to make that happen. Yeah. I really would. Right. I would... We would scale up. We would figure out, you know, we would be bringing people in that we could set back there to do some of the data entry or right. whatever. We would figure out a way to make that happen. Yeah. I certainly don't want this to, like, dissuade somebody from, you know, from, from going and getting it or whatever. Yeah. I just... That's the thing is... We are prepared. We have done everything that we have to do um, from a state standpoint to get on the list to receive vaccine. Mm, okay. We just haven't gotten it in. The state just hasn't released that yet. Yeah. We, we, we see glimmers of hope. <laughs> so, um, and again. Here's a tracking number. Somebody look and see if that's it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, um, I, I told Chris, my pharmacist the other day, um, 
that I'd seen somewhere else that somebody said that it had been released on a Thursday. He was like, hang on, you know, and was looking it up to see. Sure. Um, as of today, we do not. Right. But again, we will do everything we can to take care of our people in Robertson County. The My pharmacist colleagues in other cities in Bryan College Station, I know are working their tails off. Yeah to get all this done. And I am, I'm grateful for them and what they're doing. Again, I think it's worthwhile. I think it's something that we need, we all need to do. And that's what I love about being a pharmacist and what I think pharmacists do. Like we'll jump in and we'll get it done. Do you, you do you feel a crunch from your base of customers who are following up and going, Hey Leah, like, what's the deal? When yeah. are you going to have it? Yeah. Why don't you have it? Yeah. And, Why I, don't you... and how do you answer that? I mean, cause the, the state hasn't allowed, allotted it to right. us yet. Right. And, 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 and it's always a, when, when we know you'll know, yeah, I mean, and, we will put it out there. And that thought process, what's probably scary in your community is the fact of, well, we're a rural community. So you don't want that perception being built in rural communities that will get to you eventually. You know, or if you're really just that desperate to it, you know, then you can come stand in this line over here because right now that's part of the reason why there are a lot of these places that are that are administering the vaccine that are working off of schedules. Like, don't come and stand in line for 14 hours to get this deal done. Let us schedule you out. We'll, you know, come in at this time. We'll move you through the process. And that's a lot of them that are handling it that way. Um, but I'm I think concerned, that's... I'm concerned that once the vaccine it rolls out in quantities, that then you're going to have you're going to go away from the scheduling, and now all of a sudden it's going to be a first come first Walking. serve. Even though you're trying to do a one B, uh, you know, uh, you know, what is it? One B two. You know, yeah. three, four, trying to work your way down this list. But again, like we were just discussing, there's going to be such a backlog at 1B that it'll take forever to get to 2. And I, they, the the powers that be, CDC, state, whatever has said, you know, it's going to take some time. And, yeah. I, and I recognize that. Yeah. That's not my complaint. Sure. My complaint is... In my community, from what I've seen, mm-hmm. we've been allotted relatively few vaccines, yeah. comparatively speaking. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's been my complaint is don't forget about us. Right. We're here yeah. and we need it too. Right. And so, you know, I, that's that's been my thing is I just I just don't want us to be left out in the cold. So I've done everything I know to do to make it known. Yeah, we're definitely not working in a, and it doesn't matter which administration we're talking about here. It, we're not working in an environment where it is uh, under promise over deliver. Yeah. It's exactly the opposite. If not anything, we're going to probably see an over promise and definitely under deliver, which is what this is materialized at initially starting out here is we're starting to see just the front side of it, and I mean a real small front side, the fact that we still have people in 1A that haven't been given the vaccine yet is a problem, right? And But again, where is the, the, where's the checks and balances to ensure 1B doesn't take place until 1A is complete? And that's, again, these are the armchair quarterback things that, you know, people will be able to look back in on and be able to to see that. I saw on your Facebook page or your Facebook post that you took the first vaccine, and I heard you reference that on here. Yeah. And you're getting close to two. Like, you're going to take two next week, right? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. I don't know why I had next week. Oh, I had 28 days in my head thinking 
the 28th. So you're going to take that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Walk people through the process for one when you got the first one. Just like a flu vaccine, um, as far as receiving it, um, you know, that the nice, uh, the, the, there's not a copay associated with it. Um, which is fantastic. Sure. I don't, I don't believe that there should be for anybody. Right. Um, so that's, that's nice, but it's just, I mean, it's a regular vaccination just a you know, in the arm yep. quick and easy, yep. um, for, um, for me personally, as far as side effects, mm-hmm. um, I didn't really have anything, um, in particular sore arm could feel it maybe a bit of a knot mm-hmm. where the injection was, that's no different than a flu vaccine sure. for me personally. Right. And everybody's different in that. You could have um, some mild symptoms, low-grade fever, mm-hmm. you know, some aches, some pains, some of that kind of stuff. Just feel a little crappy or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's possible, mm-hmm. um, but that wasn't my experience. Right. One kind of s- strange, different, not as well maybe heard of Mm -hmm. um about eight days after the vaccine i had a red mark kind of come up on my arm Mm -hmm. um and watch i watched it but i i saw some posts from some other pharmacists saying hey wait a minute what is this so that's definitely something that's out there that they're seeing yeah um i I think it's and i'd be interested to see kind of what the statistics are on that yeah Um, but i but i know that that's something that they're they're monitoring all of those um, those things because, because it's new. Um, I don't believe it was particularly rushed or, you know, they hurriedly did anything. I I feel comfortable that it's safe. Um, second dose, my understanding is that those potential, uh, side effects could be a little bit stronger. So, you know, I'm kind of expecting to maybe feel a little bit Worse, I didn't feel bad the first one. Right, you didn't get you didn't get the low grade. You didn't get no, of the, but I kind of expect that that is more likely after the second dose, and it's because your body sees that and goes, "Wait a minute, we're fighting that." Yeah, and it's doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah, so kind of, and I don't know that you'll be able to speak to this. So this may just be a big old dummy running a podcast here, talking out of his butt and doesn't know what he's saying here. But uh, our DNA. R R D N A. I'm trying to remember the actual M- letter. M D M R N A. M R N A. There it is. Messenger R N A. That's right. So this is a different type of vaccine as opposed to a flu vaccine. Whereas this is generating proteins within your body that help to fight this. But this is not in. This is where people kind of get sideways here. It is not introducing. The, it's not introducing the virus into your body. No, because it's not a live vaccine. Correct. I mean, but this is one of the first and few that are, this is really triggered to kind of turn your, your cells or your... Like, so it, you know. it has to... Listen, did you see my eyes glaze over like, oh my gosh, he's like, going to make me talk about stuff that I haven't studied for. Yeah, no, no. Um, but... 
but it, my understanding is it's to recognize part of that spike right. that's on that coronavirus, the, the little nodules that's sticking off of it. Right. It has to do with recogniz- recognizing that yeah. and, and doing some things with it. And, and I should have brushed up on no, all no. of this. So, um, so again, let, let, let the big dummy go back and say that. That way everybody can go, Lord, I know what he's talking about. We won't put that around your neck. But it is to create the protein mechanism that is going to be used to fight this in the future. The second round... When it comes 28 days later, around that range of time, I think 28 is the recommended time. So as the second round comes in, the body now has had a chance to kind of settle down. And, but then when two comes in, it goes, Oh, wait a minute. Mm. I've seen this before. And this is what we do when this gets injected in or when not injected, but when it gets introduced in the body. Yeah. So now there's an overdrive to create those proteins in the beginning. The proteins are not created at massive levels. Therefore, what I've heard, because again, I stayed at Holiday Inn Express, uh, that uh, the initial levels of proteins that are created that will fight this is not blown out of proportion. But in the second round, the body recognizes that it is something that has been introduced to the body before, and it is now created an established way of now overproducing to create a bigger effect. It's the immune response. Right. I mean, that is the natural immune response. Yep. And so that's that's what it's mimicking. Yeah, but so. it's it's a bigger it's a bigger response on the second round, and I think that's where people kind of say second round is going to be a little bit worse. Again, much in the same way that uh, as people get COVID, you know, people react differently in that same deal. Yeah. It'll be the same deal for the shot. Uh, yeah. What I get concerned about is I get concerned about the sensationalism of media when we start talking about this getting introduced when it first came out. What happened? Or man, right out of the gate, it's, you know, oh, this side effect happened. People lost the whole half of their face and looked like they had Bell's palsy or whatever. And so, quite honestly, with a lot of vaccines, you may not ever hear about it, but there's always going to be a very minuscule percent of people who are going to have a reaction that is not going to be you know, a great reaction to having that vaccine. And it's the same thing here. The first, the problem is, is the media plays that up and then people start thinking that, see, it was rushed to market and this is the problem. This is why I'm not taking it. The, the Bell's policy specifically from my understanding, and again, didn't brush up on it before this interview, but, but the Bell's policy specifically that it was, um, the uh, it, it was what was seen in the population normally. Mm-hmm. So so statistically, it wasn't still in the same as significant. Yeah. So um, which is all the things that they look at, right? You know, and so vaccine reactions happen. Yeah, they're um, I, I wouldn't. They're not common, no. but they do happen. Right, and so you know, many things with with medication. That's, that's, I tell people all the time when I'm counseling on side effects, these are things that are potential side effects. I don't see them commonly, but the possibility exists and that's just normal. We just have to, we just have to know that and be like, okay, that's that. If I pop an ibuprofen that I bought, you know, at the dollar store, it's this, it's, you know, there's, there's similar risk. Right. Well, there's, there's no such thing as a vaccine that has zero zero side effects. Exactly. I mean, there's a reason why these go into testing and obviously there's a threshold that it has to be met in order for that to be considered safe. The threshold is not zero. Right. I mean, so they've got to sit there and say, 
X percent of reactions to this particular drug. Are we in on that? And they've inoculated, you know, whatever hundred thousand, whatever people to be able to go, okay, we're, we're confident that this one's good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also understanding that, that in previous vaccination history, vaccinations are created for a long-term look at something possibly happening down the road as well too with the exception of probably flu vaccines where flu vaccines are are created based on what transpires like it so one of the things that i learned you can probably speak a little bit better to this but flu vaccines for the united states and the flu season and when we look at it, we tend to gauge what our flu season is going to look like based on what they see on the other side of the world, usually in Australia, right? I mean, that's... I don't that, know. Where are they? I think that's kind of the the indicator for, like, when it's going to start here before it starts here. So they start looking at that, and they base along that as well, too. So if you think about it, it's like, okay, it starts here, and then we try to vaccinate for it here. And then it, it's kind of full circle. So... And then you can kind of see, I mean, that's some of the reasons why, you know, we don't get a vaccine that works really well with the flu season. Or they prepared the vaccine for this particular strain of flu, and it was great because it hit it dead on the head. But that's not always the case. I mean, Well, it's a guesstimate. They're, they're, they're using some very specific scientific methods right. to determine what they think is going but but again sometimes they nail it yeah. and sometimes they they miss it yeah. and that's just but the fact of the matter is is that viruses change over time yeah. Yeah. they're very good at doing that yeah. and so that's that's well, why mean, that's why they're a virus i mean it, it it's not that it stays the whole way it it changes to host you know, depending on, and again, I think that's a lot of the same deal when you start talking about people who have pre-existing conditions with COVID, you know, that, that their body, you know, their body is in a different format than maybe others. And so you have these people that get COVID and have nothing. They don't show any symptoms. They don't show anything. And then you have the ones that it goes all the way up to death. And so regardless of what that is, I mean, in your community, your idea is, is, is send me some vaccines so that I can get it started in my community. Yeah. I already have contact. I already have, uh, I already have a relationship built with these folks, you know, and I can be a part of the solution just like everybody else. Don't rule out the fact that we're rural and small, that there's not this opportunity that I can still fill the gap that you guys are still going to need. Contact is the key. And I wish that I had looked up the statistic. Man, I feel like I've said that a lot. I probably should have done a whole lot more homework. <laughs> and I told you I wasn't going to ask you any hard questions. In right. here either, so. I, contact is the key, though. There is a statistic that shows that that in um, people have more contact mm-hmm. with their pharmacist, with their pharmacy, mm. than they do with many other medical providers. Yeah. Ease of access. We're mm-hmm. very, you just walk in. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, I would assume, you can get me. I mean, at my stores, you can. Right. You can get me and you can ask me questions. I can help you, whatever. Right. Right. That may be harder at a chain that is much, much busier. Sure. That may be a harder uh, a thing to do, but but it can be done. Yeah. Um, and so you have that ease. I'm I'm already like seeing them and can see them quicker and easier. Yeah. Um, I'm not a a medical doctor. Right. I'm not going to take the place of that. Right. But in this scenario. I can get immunizations out to people 
kind of faster yeah. than maybe some other organizations could. Well, and you also, you know, the response mechanisms, you know, what to look for during observation. I mean, there are things there that are already in place that there's not a, a we don't have to go over a curve of training to get you to get it done. Exactly. Right. Because exactly. it's already something that you're already doing in your pharmacy. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. So uh, best case scenario, mm -hmm. what do you see as best case scenario for you, knowing right now that not even having the vaccine available for you to give is really kind of a worst case scenario for your pharmacy? What do you see as best case scenario? I think that we get vaccine. I mean, I, my hope is two weeks, mm. one week. Yeah. I hope that, that vaccine is allocated Um I, I do believe that the state is trying to do that. Sure. I just think that there's been a bit of a bog down, yeah. um, and, well, which I mean, happens. Yeah, I mean, That's, there's nothing surprising about that. At what point in the world's history has there been a demand needed for every single yeah. individual on the planet? Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. this is really kind of where the rubber meets the road yeah. in this. I mean, it's it's one whole thing, you know. I'm going to go back to my old Walmart days here. It's one whole thing to stand in line for a Furby on a Black Friday, and there's only so many there to take care of that line. Well, you're talking about an entire community, an entire city, an entire state, mm -hmm. an entire country. And all of these are needs that people are going to, you know, that, that regardless of, there, there will never be 100% vaccination. No. That won't happen. You know, and, I, and unfortunately, you know, I'm not here to, to answer to anybody by any stretch of the means, but I'm like in, what is this, 1A, 1B, 2, 3, 4, 5. I'm like in 10 somewhere. I'm going to wait until it does what it's supposed to do, but I'm fairly healthy and I feel pr fairly confident that I can wait that out for a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. I'll feel a little bit better about it, mm -hmm. but I'm also going to make sure that I do the things to not put myself at risk either. Right. But then on the backside of all of that, I also know that even if there's a 1B category, there's going to be a 1B category of people that are not going to choose to do it. Mm -hmm. And so, and then that leads again to the point of, you know, when we talk about getting back to normal, initial normal, even if they're able to meet the standard of what Biden is putting out now, which is, uh, what is it, 100 million vaccines in the first 100 days. days. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's pretty aggressive. That's basically on that rate is saying that you'll have the entire population of the United States vaccinated by the end of the year. I mean, that's ultra aggressive. And hopefully you got a lot of homework that you put in and people in place and things like that. And it's definitely going to be a strain even on the manufacturers to produce at that level. Right. But that all being said, there'll be a percentage of the population that's not going to participate mm -hmm. in that either. So it doesn't necessarily need to be, there's 330 million people in the United States. There doesn't need to be 330 million doses. Right. You know, really, you're going to start reaching some herd immunities when you start crossing over that 200 million mark. And, but it's still going to come down to wear your mask. It's still going to come down oh, to social yeah. distancing. It's still going to come down to those things until you reach a level of herd immunity that this becomes just like the flu. Yeah. Uh, that it's something that, that you're getting inoculated for, for future purpose or whatever. And 
keeping also in mind, just like a flu virus, this thing is changing as well too. And mm-hmm. we'll probably continue to do that. And so it may come to the idea that, you know, I'd love to think that this is a one-time inoculation and it never happens again, yeah, but it, it might not happen that way. Yeah. And nobody, I don't know that anybody knows the answer. Yeah, nobody that. has a future look to it, but right. in these rural communities where you're running a business that can service that community, uh-huh. your goal is, 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 you know, Hey, I'm over here. Somebody help, help get me something so yeah. that I can help start taking care of the community just as good as the hospital, the clinic, the big pharmacy that's in town what i can help as well too this is not a matter of of pride and a matter of profit this is a matter of i need my community to return to normal and if i'm a part of facilitating that Mm -hmm. great yeah you know but i also don't want to see you know joe at the at the uh you know the local gas station you know, filling up gas and inoculating people at the same time. So we we need professionals that can do it in a professional environment where people feel safe and comfortable. And you've already built that relationship with most of your, your clients and customers that come and see you anyway. Yeah. So they know that you're doing it in the best interest for their safety and for their benefit as well too. And how much better do you feel if you're sitting there going, I knocked all my customers house. So now I feel a lot better when they walk into my place because we were talking earlier, like you're as susceptible as the next small business, big business somewhere that if COVID comes running through your place, yeah. that it's going to have consequences. It's going to have consequences financially. It's going to have consequences in your community. Yeah. You know, if you have to shut down because there's a run that goes through there or whatever, and you can't service your customers, yeah. you don't want to be that business and you definitely don't want to create that. But that yeah. also means that everybody's got to do their part and all of that as well too. Exactly. Not just getting inoculated, but doing the things that you're supposed to do after the fact as well. Mm-hmm. All right. So Anything else in COVID that you want? No, let's okay. leave it. Okay, so because I'm ready to get off on some of these other things that we were okay. talking about as well too. Okay. So the the one thing that you see all the time, and and uh, when I said it, you were like, "Wow, that was you know." I don't think you were anticipating I was going to ask you the question when we were talking about saving your customers money, and it's the idea that you constantly. I mean, I think to a commercial where. The lady comes in and they key it up and it says a hundred and whatever dollars. And she's like, Oh, and turns around and walks out. Right. So uh, for as dramatic as that is, that does happen in real life that there are people who walk in with a prescription and they don't know what it's going to cost. And listen, a a doctor prescribes, they don't go, this should run you X. Oh, they do. Yeah. But they don't know. Yeah. Trust me, I know they. You know they're. Ah, it's probably going to be about this much or whatever. Well, depending. You know, depending on you know, because just like anything else, drugs fluctuate in price. They fluctuate at the cost level, which means they're going to fluctuate at the retail level. They fluctuate based on quantities. Like if you know, yeah. I can typically if I take a ninety day supply, I can usually get a little cheaper than if I'm taking it in a thirty day supply. But I also have to have. I have to have a, a provider that writes me that script for 90 days, doesn't write me the script for 30, and then I just go in and go, come on, Leah, man, you know I'm good. Just drop me you know, two more months worth, man. Let's do this. Right. So customer shows up. They found themselves in a situation where they're, you know, whatever, whether they're on a tight budget, you know, if they're elderly and they're working off of Social Security, 
they're already taking a ton of drugs as it is yeah. and now we're adding a new one onto that uh-huh. and they show up at your pharmacy and it is something that is beyond their measure to be able to get a hold of right what are some of the ways that you can work with them to help them save money and things that they can do so we have our own in-house discount I, most people have not most i mean i don't know what the percentages are insurance right so you know if you have insurance through your work that you work for if you're over 65 and you have medicare part d mm-hmm. that covers your prescriptions um you know a, a, a good majority of people have that there's a lot of people though self-employed maybe they didn't take the prescription portion of their insurance because right. it was too expensive right. and we're just going to do cash pay mm-hmm. um which is which is fine mm-hmm. um we have an in-house discount that we offer um for for really anybody you don't have to not have insurance we have people i have people that i run it on their insurance certain things sure. and it's more expensive on their insurance than it is for me to put it on my discount interesting so we can we'll just put it on the discount yeah. cuz that's cheaper for them right so we work hard to make sure that price isn't um something that inhibits you from coming to an independent right that is locally owned yeah um you know i'm buying drugs i cannot buy drugs um at the rate the cost that a walmart that a kroger can sure, right i'm i'm a two operation store at this point yeah and i'm I, thousands of yeah. of stores purchasing and purchasing power when you're talking about quantities and so that's been the that's been my answer when people will say well, I can get it cheaper at Walmart or right. whatever. Well, if it's significant, yeah. then you you need to to do what's best for you right. financially. Right. And I certainly am not knocking anybody for that. Right. Um, but there is ways, um, you know, that in-house discount is helpful. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe that it gives us the ability to compete. Okay. Um, compete as in sometimes I'm not going to be head to head sure but i can be in the ballpark yeah and for us in robertson county if i can get you in the ballpark i'm going to save you a 45 minute drive and a six hour wait gas food everything else that you're going to get having to make that trip over to someplace or you're going to have to wait for six hours for them to fill it or two hours for them to fill it and again i'm not knocking my um, fellow pharmacists that are working in these places, right. they're doing the best they can. Sure. Um, if they're filling thousands of prescriptions a day, which mm. is entirely possible Absolutely. in many of these places, yep. you know, they're doing, they're, they're working really hard and doing a fantastic job. Right. I'm just a, I'm just a smaller operation right. and fill less. Um, and so I can probably do it faster. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can, I can probably do it in ballpark. Well, it's so, Going back to that point, so I'll, I'll throw this out there. Let's just say I'm hourly Susie that when I'm working, I'm making eight bucks an hour. And uh, so now all of a sudden I go to you and you're $5 off in price, right? And I'm going, well, you know, I can get that at Walmart for $5 cheaper, you know. But again, if I'm if i if i if i rate or base what my time is worth you know let's just assume it's eight bucks and then i'm going to spend three hours round trip at best if i'm traveling out to another pharmacy wait 
get it filled, come back. Three hours, that's $24 if I'm valuing my time at 8 bucks. And then what was that $5 worth to you? Don't forget your gas. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, you know, you went and you were kind of hungry, so maybe you stopped and you got some Sonic. You got something like that while you were there. You know, in the in the long run of that, you could essentially be spending $35 more if we're including time as a part of that value mm-hmm. as opposed to $5 more that, that you spend there. You get it out just as quick, if not quicker. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden you are also supporting directly local community because exactly. it is small business owned. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, the drive for us and what we talk about in these podcasts is keeping your money local so that these businesses continue to be a part of these communities that are valued that people need. But that means that people got to do business with them. I mean, there's, yeah. there's a reason if, you know, if, if, if uh, Duffy's been around for 150 years or whatever, you know, well, let's make it 151. Let's keep this thing going, right? But we need people that are spending money there, not just right. walking in and going, man, I got a headache. Where's your Tylenol at or whatever? I mean, you know, it's the whole, it's the whole piece of that. And, again, you're building relationships, yes. right? I'm sure that there are a lot of folks that shop at Big Box that know their pharmacist, right? Yeah. I'm sure. Um, I got a great example for you. You know, so I have a friend, pharmacist here locally, runs a smaller pharmacy, uh, not independent, but is a smaller pharmacy. And I can remember one night, man, my daughter needed a prescription. Didn't realize she ran out of. And, uh, you know, God, Got to wait till tomorrow, man. You know, they're already closed at Walmart. They're closed at Target. They're closed at HEB. And I'm telling him what's going on. He's like, dude, you should just call me. I could have easily took care of that for you. Yeah, I'm closed, but it ain't like it. I can't go and help take care of you. Mm-hmm. These are the things that you get when you develop these relationships with smaller pharmacists who can then assist you outside of a range that may be corporate policy. It may be corporate policy that, hey, once I arm up that place, man, I better have a really good reason why I'm walking back in there and offsetting that alarm again and going right. back into a Walmart pharmacy. And you will get questioned as a pharmacist in a Walmart. I can promise you because I've already been there, done that. Mm-hmm. You know, you walk back in, you better have a real good reason why that alarm got set off after hours. Right. And, and you chose to walk up in there. Now that's not saying that they're not going to support that pharmacist to do those things. Yeah. But at the same point, man, I mean, there's, there's key critical things that get questioned in the corporate world with the policies that are around that versus the independently owned where, you know, Leah's over here and Leah's like, Leah answers to Leah. You know, I don't answer to Kroger. I don't answer to Walmart. I don't do these things. So, yeah, if you find yourself in a position, man, you know, holler at me. Let me help you. And you're going to step further outside of that because, again, you you are building these relationships with people. You're not trying to be the Uber of pharmacy, but I can probably almost guarantee you that you have found yourself in a position where you've dropped something off to somebody. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's pretty common. That was yeah. common even even in the Walmart world. I had pharmacies was like, listen, I drive right by your house. I'll bring it to you on the way. Yeah, yeah. But I realize you're bedridden. You're homebound. You don't have a way to get out. Listen, those aren't those don't exist everywhere. Right. And they definitely are a lot less common in the bigger box industry than they are in the independents. But it is just like anything else. It's like me as a kid when, you know, I used to have to go see the doctor almost every other week to get a shot. I was a sickly kid, right? But that doctor would come to our house to give me Mm -hmm. my injection. 
of mm-hmm. penicillin that I'd have to get to make sure that I didn't get sick, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, try and find that today. Uh, you know, they're, so they're out there. They are, but they are le- they're much less common. Yeah, but it is not. Again, it's not a part of the standard. It's definitely yeah. not a part of the expectation anymore. And most people don't right. biz- build their businesses around that, right? Unless you're my doc or something like that. You know, yeah. so I mean, in the business model for small pharmacies, small pharmacies are out there at the purpose of I'm a part of this community. Yeah. I want there to be great things said about my business. Mm-hmm. Me as the pharmacy in their community, and I want people to say, you know, the the best way you can compete against the bigger pharmacies isn't price. That's not where right. it's created at. I was telling you earlier that <clears throat> you, your pharmacy and everything else, is just a product of the experience. Yep. That is really where people want to spend their money. If I spend my money with you, but I know you really, truly do have my best interest in mind and that I really feel like you give a crap about me, then that $5 means nothing to me. Right. Right. And it is the ability for me to walk in there and, and maybe I know your dad or maybe I know your parents. And I mean, it, it, it becomes it becomes almost a social engagement in some cases where people walk in and you may essentially also be the only contact that person has. I mean, that sucks to say, but it happens. I've had the <clears throat> the pleasure of sitting with people. Um, one of my most favorite memories at Wilson's was a gentleman whose wife had passed away, mm-hmm. and he was trying to make the decision. Um, he was elderly and um, had cancer mm-hmm. and was trying to make a decision about chemo. Mm. Had children, mm-hmm. um, had spoken with them, but came and asked me yeah. what, what I thought about it. And mm. so we sat down and had a conversation and, you know, I, hopefully I helped give him good advice or, you know, paint a picture of, you know, there's pros and there's cons. Yeah. And it was just, it's a pleasure to have relationship or to be trusted enough for people to want to seek, yeah. seek well, what me, an, us, what an honor. out for that. What yeah, an honor, sure. really. I mean, that somebody, you know, they didn't go call their family. They, they came to you, you know. I mean, what an honor. And... What a representation that is to who he values you to really be. Yeah. You know, not just the name tag that falls on your on your jacket when you put everything on and you go to work that day. Right. It's bigger than that, right? But again, it's relational built through the whole process of day in, day out contact with your with your customers. Yes. And and customers is a I hate using that word sometimes because you know, a lot of times they feel like family. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and you really want that environment created. Every single individual we were talking about, you know, this business in general is that I build the business based on I want my customers to have the experience. Right. I want them to walk in and be known by name. I want my people to get to learn who they are. Not just with the shirt that they're wearing with their their logo of their business or whatever. I want them to know about their business. I want them to know about their kids, the community that they're in. Maybe they do something else. Maybe you know, maybe they have a full time job at this business that they're running, but maybe they also play the guitar in a band. You know, every Friday night. Hey, how did yeah. the gig go last Friday? Yeah, you know that kind of stuff. And so, in these small communities, that's. More common than not, when you deal yeah. in the small business world, mm-hmm. uh, in the bigger in the bigger areas, again, I 
you know, flip you back into your Kroger days or whatever. It's not as common. It doesn't mean that you didn't do it then. Yeah. It's just not as common. Right. And it's not sought as much either as well, too. Those people who are on the other side of the counter in a Kroger and a Walmart and a Walgreens and everything else, they're not, they may be looking for that same kind of, of connection, but they may not feel as comfortable in it in those environments as well either. Mm-hmm. There's something to be said when you walk into an older business, especially an independent business, that that history almost overtakes you, right? And that that history becomes almost part of the conversations. <clears throat> Looking like things where, you know, I remember coming here as a kid. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so, and then the pride that you take in being able to still keep the doors open so that that memory still continues to exist, mm. that they'll tell their kids about, their grandkids about, everything else. You yeah. know, and it, it's, it looks different in different worlds, but we, we were saying how important small business is, not just to small communities. It's critical in small communities. But just in general, how important small businesses is. I mean, I was telling you, big businesses are built on the backs of small businesses. Before there was a Walmart, before there was a Kroger, before there was a Walgreens and all these other bigger corporate businesses, there was small business. Mm -hmm. When people were tying their horses up to, to, you know, post outside, there was a small business Mm -hmm. that they went and, and experienced community. Yes. Right? <clears throat> I mean, that's that's really the, the literal word that you would put behind what you experience when you walk into these places. Mm-hmm. And it's not any different of what you want to create. You want to create that environment where people walk in, that it's a community of people. Mm-hmm. Why you're so passionate about taking care of your, your customers in your community is, is because these are my people. These are my this people. is my village. Mm-hmm. This is, I'm responsible for these folks. I feel personally responsible to be able to help them, to get mm-hmm. them answers, to be able to, to put their mind at ease. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was telling you, my mom was, was talking to her doctor about the COVID shot and she's like, is it safe? You know? And I mean, my mom is 74 years old. She's going to be 74. I'm trying to make her older, I think here, but is going to be 74 years old. And so if she has that question and she never goes out, how many other people have those questions, you know? And so again, hearing from a professional, hearing from somebody in the industry, hearing from somebody that understands the importance of vaccination, taking medications, right? All of these things that go along with that is a reassurance to those folks. They're trusted individuals, right? Mm -hmm. So we're talking about like, yeah, I don't know what the numbers are, but I mean, if I'm looking at trusted individuals, I mean, for, especially for the elderly community, number one, it's probably family, then probably family doctor. And then there's probably a pharmacist right there in that top running three. I mean, because that's who they experience time with an important time, you know, like, you know, we were talking about people who walk into your business and they lay a prescription down on the counter or something's been called in and you're looking through their history of medications that they're taking. And you're like, well, hold on. Your doctor prescribed this to you. And you're, yeah, yeah. I'm just coming to fill it. Like, okay. Did, does he know that you're taking this medication? Well, yeah, I should. I mean, uh, uh, I gave him a list, got a full list of everything. I, I update it every time I go. And you know, okay, hold on one second. 
you step to the back, you make the phone call, you facilitate that call, whether it's talking to a nurse or talking to the doctor, mm-hmm. and you're like, hey, just want to make you aware, like, I see this on here, but I also want to make you aware that they're taking this. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that they're taking that prescription. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, well, they said they told you. And it's not on the list of prescriptions is here. Mm-hmm. Kill that because we don't need to fill that if they're taking this. Mm-hmm. It really needs to be this, and I'll send you something else. That that customer may never know that conversation even happened on the backside, other than just to go, hey, I, so I talked to your doctor, and he's going to send this over instead of this. Mm-hmm. And they may have just assumed that it was just a change just because it was a generic or something, mm-hmm. as opposed to the fact that you know, you, know, you diverted it, them right. from having yeah. a crisis somewhere yeah. uh, that could potentially, in your world, every single, you know, we're saying every single pill, every single bottle of medication that goes out of your pharmacy has extreme consequences if not done correctly. Yeah. Right? And so the level of protection and over-checking, double-checking, triple-checking, and and the systems that you have in place are critical for the safety of your clients that come in there and trust you with those prescriptions. Yes. But that doesn't just stop with the fact that you're scooping it off into a bottle and making sure that it's correct milligrams or that the dosage looks right. And it was funny because you were talking about how some of these how some of these prescriptions come over and how they're supposed to be dosing them and you're you're I won't say what it said on there but it you know the dosage on there and you're looking at that going that's probably not accurate mm-hmm. you know and again you don't catch it who does yeah and if you're the pharmacist just went listen man that's what the doctor said yeah it, it ain't me that's what the doctor's doing you know, I had a, a scary incident happen here in those last couple of weeks where I was telling you about the medication my mom was taking. And this was supposed to be to retain memory and, and help sharpen it, even though she was already taking one. This was on top of that. And uh, she starts taking this thing. She gets about three weeks into it, and she can't remember things. Mm-hmm. She can't remember things that she has been doing daily for 70 years. Mm-hmm. And I just see a glaze over her eye, and I'm just like, holy crap, like, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, again, the, I don't expect the, the, the pharmacist isn't going to pick up on that. And at the time, you know, a pharmacist is going to cover, you know, when you give a new prescription out, you do a consultation mm-hmm. with the customer and kind of explain this is how you need to take it. Take it with this, take it with that. Don't take it with this, don't take it with that. Take it in the morning, take it in the evening. You know, you're walking them through that whole step. <clears throat> but, not once in that deal uh, until I call the doctor back and the doctor goes, hey, you know, sometimes if you get a big dose of that, sometimes it has that effect. Mm-hmm. What? Like, dude, we like drove an hour to you for this appointment. Not once was that discussed. Mm-hmm. And so we quickly come off of it and lower the dose back down. And within a day, I mean, just a complete switch around. But that's scary. Uh, I mean, not walking and talking those things through, but man, the trust of having a person on the backside who knows those interactions. I mean, that's what you've been trained for, Mm -hmm. you know, plus you have resources and everything else to see what plays well and what doesn't play well. Mm -hmm. And And we use those. Yeah. I mean, daily, I would imagine. Yeah. Oh oh, yeah. I mean like that's, I'm not going to rely on what I think. I I have an idea in my head, but I use the resources to kind of back that up or to give me, this is why, you know, I mean, that's, that's the whole point of that. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure there's also things that come across to you that are up for interpretation, right? Where they show up and you go, your doctor said, this is how you're supposed to take this. And you, yeah, you know, well, 
you can take it that way. That's not the most common way to do it, <laughs> but hey, you know, if that's what he wants, then we're good. Mm-hmm. But you get the red flags and everything else where you know, like this and this doesn't mix. We don't, as a pharmacist, we don't ever put these two things together, mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. when you get to that point, then you're, it's not, and you're not there. I've never seen a pharmacist there like your doctor doesn't know what they're talking about. It's always the professionalism of let me make a phone call real quick. I'll be right back. You know, and you're doing everything on the backside. And it is funny what, you know, because you're, before we sat down, you said most people don't know what goes on behind those walls and behind those counters where we're filling stuff. Yeah. I mean, you don't know. Did we catch a dose? Did we catch, did they, did they misspell something and they didn't mean it for that? And sometimes that happens in consultation with a customer or the patient is that they'll say, you know, because we'll ask, why are you taking this? Oh, okay. Well, I'm taking it for this. Okay, well, then that, this isn't what they meant to write for. You know, yeah. there was some sort of mix-up or something. There's so many different ways. So we just, you know, that's that's my job is to kind of work that out and to help yeah. um, help facilitate that so that you are getting the right drug, the right dose, yeah. the right for the right indication. Yeah, and plus you're a master interpreter of a different language because I can't tell you how many times I've butchered a a prescription name or whatever. And you're like, do you mean this? You know, I mean, so, uh, and that's, uh, I'm sure that again, daily probably and things that you deal with mm-hmm. when you're talking about those things. So, so how else can people, we get, we, man, we took a really long sidetrack around there about saving money, but where you have an internal program that can help as well too. How else can people save money in that process? Man, I, I think that, um, ask your pharmacist, if your doctor puts you on something that's really expensive mm-hmm. and you can't afford it, then have a, let's have a conversation. You know, why, why do they give that to you? Mm-hmm. What are they treating? Okay. Well, maybe there's this option, um, that we might try this one first mm-hmm. to see if this works. And then if we need to, we can go to the most expensive option. Mm-hmm. It could be, and certainly not to throw physicians under the bus, right. but that a rep just recently, you know, updated them on something that's brand new yeah. and works really well. Yeah. But again, they may not realize the true cost of it. Yeah. And so having that conversation with your pharmacist, hey, can you call my doc? And see if they'll switch it. Yeah. Or, or the pharmacist may say, I'd be happy to call them for you yeah. and, and talk to them and see if they would like to switch it to something that's going to be more cost effective. It's just, there's nothing worse really than you go into the doctor, they gave you a prescription, you don't get it, mm. and then you don't necessarily tell anybody. Because yeah. it's not treating what you intended for it to treat. Right. You know, if, if you know. If you had toenail fungus and you're like, I'll just live with it, <laughs> that might be a different option. But, right. but you have to have that communication. And so I think that, you know, ask the pharmacist, is there something else that we might could try? Yeah. Do you know of something that might be less expensive that my doctor could write for? Yeah. And, and you know, it, it, I think those are ways. Communication. Well, and at the tail end of it, a doctor doesn't know whether they really went and filled that prescription or not. They don't know, even if they did know that, they don't know if they took it the way that it's supposed to. Right. You know, we talk the most common way, obviously, is most people will walk in and ask if that's available in a generic dosage, right? Mm-hmm. Again, I don't want to throw doctors under the bus, but I do, I guess we should probably talk a little, about a little bit of the underside belly here, which is... There are drug reps that will walk into doctor's offices and present a new drug or something that they're doing. And, hey, we're going to give you this many samples and things like that. For really well-established doctors who 
take their oath well and do all of those other things. They are not driven by kickback money or any of these kind of things to direct somebody into a drug, right? They do what's best for their patient. That's what their oath is. That's what they sign up for. And again, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. For a lot of folks, when they do go in somewhere, another way that they could potentially save themselves some money is also while they're at the doctor to also ask for samples. Maybe there are samples that are available Mm -hmm. there. And to also the idea that maybe it is a new drug and maybe it's not a kickback. Maybe there's not anything there specifically that's pushing that doctor that way, but hey, we'll check it out. But it maybe it hasn't come down in price because it is a new drug. And then again, like you were saying, that's where you can kind of step into the picture and go, okay, I see what he's trying to treat here with this. There are a couple of other options. I don't claim to be a doctor again, you know, so, but these things I've seen administered for people who have this similar deal, Mm -hmm. you may be able to even give information back to your, your client to then be able to turn around and go back to the doctor and say, Hey, the, the pharmacist I talked to said, maybe this, yeah, I didn't even think about that. That, that is another option that we could try. And yeah, that might work here with what we've got. And so again, you end up in a, a position of, doling out information back to your customer that again can save them money with a prescription rewrite that then puts them back in line with where they need to be financially to be able to afford that yes you know i listen i watch i watch you know my mom my my uh, spouse's parents these guys are like walking pharmacies themselves man they take a ton of medication and so it's important to them to ensure that what they're taking number one works with what it is that their their symptoms are and everything else but in the long run, man, when you're taking 15, 20 medications a day, mm-hmm. I mean, price becomes important for, for sure. a lot of folks. And that was part of the reason why I wanted to discuss it on here. Some <laughs> There will be some things that are written that, that may come to you where there may be a, possibly be a manufacturer coupon yeah. or a discount you know, for signing up, giving them an email or something along those lines where they can save on that drug for a year or potentially even going forward. I mean, depends on what the, depends on what the discount is and what that manufacturer may be putting forward to encourage people to use that. For those manufacturer coupons, nine times out of 10, I don't say, I won't say there's never been one, but I'm not as familiar. Most of the time, those are branded medications Mm -hmm. because that is that manufacturer trying to get their product in the market and getting it widely used. And so they're offering that, um, coupon that will take off the copay. Yeah. Um, there's there's certain stipulations you can't use coupons if you have Medicare Part D. Mm. The federal government wrote that, or if you have Tricare. Mm. I mean, if you if you're military and have Tricare, like the federal government wrote some rules that say you can't do that if you have a federally funded program. So there's some there's certain stipulations with some of that stuff, yeah. but it's always a good option. And we do, we do try to tell people, hey, I think there's a coupon for that. Yeah, let's go to that website and check that out. And well, see. and it makes sense for you as well too, and for your team. That again, let's just don't run this through your insurance let's you know if you want to pay for this as cash or whatever we can apply the coupon and it's going to be cheaper than what it would be if i gave it yeah, to you all on that insurance you know so i mean you become an advocate to your to your customer a hundred percent so and and <clears throat> it's not it's not any skin off of your back whether the coupon comes in and takes this down to this price or this price or whatever i mean there's a cost associated to every single pill that you send out of your pharmacy you know <clears throat> ultimately in the long run you want to be as profitable as, as possible, but profitability in a pharmacy is also based around trust. Yeah. You know, the more trusting that you are and the bigger you can build that client base based off of trust and experience and everything else, it'll naturally work around the backside of it anyway, to put the reward back into your, into your business, which 
Where do a lot of businesses end up putting a lot of their profits when it comes back in? Right back into the business again. Right. So, uh, small business, I've got a notation on here, small business or small pharmacy operations. And I think we kind of touched on that a little bit and kind of the difference between big box and, and, and small. We really, that's kind of almost been our, our total conversation here. I think ultimately in your community, not only are you the pharmacist, you know, you're the advocate for the patients. You probably take it. There's almost, I would imagine there might even be like this mama bear kind of deal of like, you know, listen, I'm going to take care of my elderly patients. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just like we were talking about with one B, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. this is what I need for me to be able to sleep well at night, knowing that my patients that come in here have the best care Mm -hmm. that I can provide. And I have the ability to do that right now. So whether that is that you're entrusted with that by them showing up at your doorstep and putting money on your counter, whether that is that, you know, the government puts you on the list and finally starts sending you COVID vaccinations so that you can start the process of inoculation within your community or even speed up the process. I think more so probably that than maybe even the second one. Uh, and that it doesn't feel like, you know, you're, your scraps, you know, your second fiddle to what's going on in some of these bigger communities so that you're better able to provide the service that you personally do in your four walls. And so I imagine it's probably also frustrating not having the ability to do those things when something doesn't exist for you to be able to do that. So mm-hmm. what else do you want to talk about as far as, uh, I mean, two pharmacies, huge entrepreneurial steps here i mean your your life really kind of blew up you know when you flunk out a and m and you know you go back you go back through this process of of a uh, a different avenue a different look of what it is i mean because again what would have happened had you not flunked out i always always find it ironic about what you know where does your life trajectory go if you make one different choice exactly Uh, if you never take the job on with Kroger, if you don't flunk out A&M and you go somewhere else, if you choose not to come back here, I mean, you know, one small decision, and I know most of those sound like major decisions there, but one small decision changed your entire trajectory here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so you talked earlier about kind of that God push of how things just kind of show up at the right time and the right needs and all of that stuff. And I'm sure that happens probably almost probably daily in your life, especially when you get to interact with so many different mm-hmm. people and things like that and being grateful for all of that. Right, right. I, I've yet to see a small business owner that doesn't sit down in the chair and, and is not grateful for the fact that number one, they've survived 2020. Yeah. And number two, that they've come out probably being a better business person. You know, if there's one thing I can say about, about COVID is a lot of people look back on 2020 and a lot of their thought and talk is negative. But the reality of that is, is it really forced the hand of a lot of people to turn Mm -hmm. and learn to be different in what it is that they do. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, my guess would be, let me just, I'm going to throw this out. We'll see. How many masks did you carry in your, in your pharmacy prior to 2020? We, we did carry them right. because we're a pharmacy, yeah. Um, but yeah, we, several boxes, yeah. a couple boxes. How many did you carry now? Yeah, we have a lot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I tell people all the time, they're like, hey, how's your business doing? I mean, I, I used to tell them, you know, we're a screen printer and embroidery company that's become a mask company. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, if it wasn't for mass for us in, in May, June, July, really where it started really ramping up, if we hadn't had the resources and the, the wherewithal to be out in front of that, that could have been devastating for us. So something as simple as wearing a mask and being able to provide that to the community and finding sources that we could provide that to the community was a huge boost of profitable revenue that kept us operational. Yeah. You know, does it mean that I'm going to carry mass from here on out? God, I hope not. I, I really don't want it to be a staple of anything. And I really don't want mass to be, I, I, the, the more I see them and they start, you know, this design and a zipper and, you know, a little flip and then, you know, all these people coming up with all these new different ways of, I'm just like going, I just really can't wait till they disappear, mm-hmm. you know, and we go back to the, I just idea. want to see people's faces. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, we're so used to seeing just yeah. the eyes <laughs> exactly. and I, I feel like I'm can figure out what you're thinking or what you're trying to communicate to me, yeah. but I, I want to see your face. I want to see your smile. Yeah. So I, I really do. I miss that with my customers. You know, there's a time or two whenever I'm counseling somebody and we're behind glass. We didn't do the plexi. We put up glass, right. but I'm behind that. But I have some that are hard of hearing, mm-hmm. you know, and so I, I pull it down so they can see my face right. telling them. And I'm, I miss that in them. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> so yeah, talking about the interpretation of, of hearing and listening and seeing the mask and everything else, we used to joke around all the time and say, somebody could be like just scowling at you like this, or could be smiling at you and you're not really sure which of the two it is. Cause it all looks the same from here mm-hmm. up on that. Right. Um, you know, I am, I am trustworthy that as the vaccine rolls out and we continue to see this progress to herd herd immunity that, you know, eventually we get back to a more normalized business. I don't know that some businesses go back though. I don't, you know, partition, I hate partitions between booths and things like that at the restaurants, but I understand why it's there. Right. I kind of hope they go away when it's all said and done, you know, but at the same point, you know, if it's possible round two, if it's possible shut down again, everything else. I mean, there are businesses that pivoted to try and figure out how can we do this better mm-hmm. scares, things that run through an operation to, you know, I mean, a, a COVID scare through an operation can quickly turn your attention back to, okay, everybody make sure you're wearing your mask, you're sanitizing your hands, you are practicing your social distancing. I mean, mm-hmm. it just reinforces things that, over a period of time, you go months and nothing happens, and you're just like, oh, we're good. And then, boom, one little scare, and all of a sudden, oh, no, everybody back. You know, let's refocus again. Let's get back to where we're supposed to get to. We used to have, um, with flu season, so if you came in and you got flu meds and you waited for us to fill them, mm-hmm. We would be polite and wait for you to leave and then go spray down your chair (laughs) and wipe the counter. And my staff knew that I would look at them and it would be like everybody makes around to the bathroom to wash hands. So that was our standard of practice. And it's so different now that we don't wait for you to leave. Now we just, you know, spray and wipe and wash and do everything we need to do. And you know, I, that's not a bad thing in, in today's day and age. And, and probably in retrospect from my job, Mm -hmm. you know, I I don't, 
I see you sometimes when you're well, but I also see you sometimes when you're really sick. Mm -hmm. And so as a protective mechanism, that's not such a bad thing, you know, for us to be really cognizant of cleaning and sanitizing and, you know, that, that card machine, we clean it after every person and, you know, just really trying to knock down any potential exposures within our business. Well, and you don't want to break out, uh, you don't want to break out to come back and be sitting square in the middle of your business. Yeah. Meaning not the breakout in your business. You were the cause of a breakout. Oh gosh. So, you know, sometimes the overreaction, what it may feel like it was an overreaction is really more being safe than sorry. Right. I used to get offended all the time. Like if I'd use somebody's phone and then when they went to pick the receiver up, they'd spray the bottom or wipe it down pre 2020 mm-hmm. now i expect it i guess at mm-hmm. that point you know but pre 2020 i'd be like well you think i got the crud over right what, yeah man? like i'm not sick you know and mm-hmm. now you don't know who's sick who's not sick or any of this stuff so right. you're just erring on the side of caution so yes. but listen i'm grateful that you got an opportunity to come in and sit with me today and and it was a pleasure to be able to hear about your business I'm I'm grateful that you're out there in those small communities because there is such a need in those small communities for small businesses that are taking on a role like what you're taking on where you're dealing with people on a on a personal level. I mean, you know there are <clears throat> the one thing about a pharmacist is pharmacists can fill a prescription and almost to uh, probably Johnny on the spot based on what everything know what your customer is going through. Yeah. You know, good, bad, ugly, all of that mm-hmm. stuff that kind of goes through there. You know, somebody's going through cancer and they're on chemo, you kind of know the drugs that are associated on the backside that end up getting a, you know, prescribed on that backside or even in some cases on the front side. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can kind of see that. You you can't just go running out there and just go, Oh my God, you're taking this. What's going on with you? You know I mean? But that level of responsibility that's placed squarely in your shoulders there to take care of your community, to be able to provide good assistance to them, guidance, even outside of just what you do in the pharmacy, like, you know, talking to the gentleman about what to do after his wife, you know, and, and, and his current situation. Mm-hmm. Those are huge responsibilities, and I'm sure it feels from time to time that the weight of that of that community is on your shoulders and that you bear a responsibility there to be the best steward of, of that community. And so I hope that, that you're included in the rounds of vaccinations where you can continue to progress that through there. And I know that that's something, again, that... If you're out in these communities and you're listening to this and everything else, I mean, for as frustrated as you may be of not being able to get it, that frustration goes all the way up mm-hmm. the board. Even yeah. even here to Leah, who's over there like, just send me something. Man, mm-hmm. I'll get this thing rolling. You send it to me today, I'll get it rolling by the end of the day. That's right. Just tell me what I need to do. You know, so, uh, but it is also good to hear that it is not by choice, meaning uh, we're just not choosing to participate in that. You know, when you're sitting here and talking about, listen, man, I am on board right now. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, why would you expect anything different from what you bring into those communities with your small businesses? You know, because if that's how you run your daily operations and you're all about building the relationships and build, building the experience that they have that experience when they leave, mm-hmm. that they feel better, not necessarily because they went and got you know, prescription from you, but they feel better because of that interaction with you. They look forward to seeing you. And I'm sure you see customers very regularly that come through there. And if you're anything, uh, my wife, I use my wife as an example. My wife starts questioning when she doesn't see customers. 
Mm. Like, they come in like all the time. Why are they not here? Mm -hmm. And so again, that's the relationships you build in those Mm -hmm. environments where then all of a sudden they pop back up in here and you're going, Oh my gosh. You know, literally in your head, you're going, you're alive, you know, but also you're sitting there going, you know, can you imagine walking into a business where they missed you? Mm. How many businesses can say that that's the experience that they give, right? right? Like you didn't show up and we missed you. Mm -hmm. And so in those small communities, again, that was one of those deals where it was, I mean, how more, how more important can you feel as a customer than to be missed by a business? Right. Not because of your dollar, but just missed because they're just a customer seeing you all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so I'm grateful that you're out there and you're obviously filling in a gap. That's a need in those communities. And, and I don't know. Pharmacy three comes around. Are you going to snatch that one up? Or? I don't know. I don't know. No plans. No plans. Yeah. No plans. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess God will, uh, God will guide you one way or the yeah. other. Right. You yes. know, he obviously has that. his hand on you and on your business and on Thank your family. You. So, but I'm grateful that you got to come in and spend some time with us and we got to learn a little bit about you and your family. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you, including Robertson County, yeah, you know, absolutely. including the outlying areas. I really do. And, you know, if anybody's, listening or watching um and wants to stop in i would love to meet them yeah. and we have a great gift area so we have things for them to buy if they're not looking for medication a mask so. <laughs> we don't want you to in addition yeah in addition yeah. to so yeah yeah and and again I, I think that you know we we call it bcs community connections mm. but we're all community even right. in those surrounding areas i mean we are relying upon those small communities that are around us that bring business into That's us right. as well too so yeah. it's not just independently based we didn't look at it and decide you know we were going to put up walls and you know barriers and all that stuff to brian college so i know when you when we initially talked about it you were kind of like oh i'm not really here but you know will you have me absolutely um and so i'm just grateful to be able to sit down i'm always better being able to sit in the chair and learn more about organizations and businesses that i didn't know existed uh, that i didn't know was out there and it helps me as well too because then when people are out there in specific communities or on my page or whatever the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to reference them back to people who I know and people that are, are of like mind, you know, I want to send them to good people. Mm -hmm. And so I know if they're good folks, then, then that's just one more thing I kind of put in my, because I'm old, I'll put in my little Rolodex there and, uh, and give it, I'm older than you, but not much. I'll catch you soon. Uh, but it gives us an opportunity to also network across that and be able to tell people that, while I hate the statement of we're all in this together, when it does come to small business and recovery, small businesses are in this together and they are relying upon the networking and they're relying yes. upon the transparency to be able to use other resources, mentoring in the business, all of those things. There will be somebody out there that can use your business experience in that you go, I remember when I started my business up and here were some hurdles that I had to get past. Right. And, uh, and I'm sure that was probably in your boat as well too. Going from a Kroger where everything's handled on the backside and you mm-hmm. don't have to worry about it to now all of a sudden you got to handle everything. Right. I'm sure accounting looked a little different. Oh, yeah. Register operations mm-hmm. look a little different now all of a sudden, you know. Uh, what it looks like, uh, you know, regulations for you probably don't really change because it's all the same. But I mean, now all of a sudden when you're taking the deposits to the bank, 
when you have to reconcile everything right. at the end of the month, when you got to file your taxes, I mean, all that becomes a, a new business model that yeah. you grow out from. And again, making you a better businesswoman in what it is that I you're doing. So. so I'm grateful for you coming in today. Thanks for spending time with us. If you guys are in Robertson County and you're looking for somebody to take care of you, especially if you're in that pharmacy world, and it doesn't have to necessarily be just prescription pharmacy. There's other things that she sells out there as well, too, that she can help you with. Then reach over here to Dr. Lee Allen. And she will be more than happy to be able to assist you and your family, your friends, people that you may have in the community. Again, Wilson Drug out in Hearn. And if you're out in the Franklin area, Duffy Drug is the other spot that she's got. Mm -hmm. And know that your money that you're spending there, again, is staying local and helping those communities continue to thrive and survive out there in this soon, hopefully, to be post-COVID world. So. Uh, so we're grateful that you joined us today. Thanks for coming in. Leah, thanks for coming. Thank you. It was grateful for Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Have a great day, guys.